Can I hear an amen? Now, this message is going to encourage you. It's going to bring healing to you. And if you've heard it before, I don't want you to tune me out because I, had, I rewrote the whole thing based on what I felt the Lord uh, put on my heart. So it's nothing that I got like from an old sermon. Uh, it may be something that you've been heard preached before, but I, I'm entitling this message um, A Seat at the King's Table. That's why you have, you're going to see something in a few minutes. Uh, a Seat at the King's Table. Because whether you know it or not, there's an empty seat at the king's table with your name on it. With your name on it because you are a son and daughter of the king. Now, I want you to look at verse 1 in the NLT. We're going to read verse through verse 6. And then later on in the message, we're going to pick up in this same verse. So don't cheat and read the whole chapter, okay? All right. Verse 1. One day David asked, watch this now. Is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Now, you know that Saul at this time had died and so was Jonathan. But Saul was a wicked king that really chased David for a lot of his life and made David's life miserable. I want you to notice that he starts off by saying, is there anyone in Saul's family that I could show kindness to? All right. He summoned a man named Ziba, okay. He said, are you Ziba? The king asked, yes, sir, I am Ziba, verse 3. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both of his feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Emiel. Verse 5, so David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. Verse 6, and his name was Mephibosheth. Come on, say Mephibosheth. <laughs> Some of you are like, Mephibosheth. <laughs> I tried saying that one time to you, the group, they're like, Muhammad, Mephibosheth. So I'm like, okay, it's just, just call him Mr. M. Just call him Mr. M. Some of you guys pronounce His name was, now, his, this is significant. I'm going to tell you in a little bit. His name is Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. So he was a child of royalty. He was a child of the king, this Mephibosheth. But he wasn't living like one. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Now look up at me. I want you to notice this, there's a hidden secret here. That the first person that, that David asked to show kindness to was not one of his loyal uh, comrades. Was not someone that was walking with him and fighting and dying in battle with him and showing the kindness of God. I want you to notice that the first person that David asked to show God's kindness to was from the family and lineage of the king that hated him. It was, it was, he wants to, he wanted to show kindness to a lineage that wanted David dead for years and did not like him. 
And David wanted to show kindness to them. And the reason why he wanted to show kindness is not because David had amnesia of what that family did. Watch this. I want you to zoom in on me. It was because of the power of a covenant between Jonathan and David. That same David. To clarify what I'm trying to say, you don't have to do it now because it's a big chapter. But in 1 Samuel chapter 20, you see the covenant happening when David was running away from Saul repeatedly and he did nothing wrong. All he did was slay the giants and Saul got upset because the women were saying Saul has slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul got really jealous and angry so much so that when David was playing the harp in the palace, the demons were coming away and he got a spear and several times tried to to tag David onto a wall. Jonathan and David supernaturally were knit together in their heart by the Lord. And so David was being spared because Jonathan spoke to Saul, his father. You follow me, right? Now, you're not, you're not, I'm not losing you, right? In 1 Samuel 20, uh, uh, Jonathan spoke to King Saul and said, don't treat David this way. He did nothing wrong. And in the field, he said, listen, I'm going to talk to my father. And if all is well, I'm going to shoot an arrow short. I'm just summing this up so you know the power of a covenant. That is, watch this, that in a spiritual prophetic way, there's power of why God shows kindness to you and I that has nothing to do with our circumstances or our behavior or how we're acting up or how we uh, have bad attitudes. Sometimes because of covenant, God shows kindness to you when you don't deserve it. And when you're acting all like a fool up in here, up in here. And Jonathan said, and Jonathan talked to his dad and dad says, you fool, I want him dead. Right? So he comes up there and he shows and he throws the, the arrows beyond uh, him. And he told the lad and he told David, if I throw the arrows beyond you, that means you're a dead man. You need to run. So he did that, and both of them cried in the field, if you remember that. And in that field, watch this, and I want you to see this. This is a little intro. In that field, Jonathan said, I know God has chosen you to take over my father's kingdom. Make me a covenant right now on this field that when you inherit the kingdom, you show kindness to my family. That's what happened. He said, I vow that I will show kindness to your family. He didn't know. He spent several years running. And now this story that I'm telling you about happens when Saul was violently killed and Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, who made a covenant with David, was violently killed in war. And he's doing it to Mephibosheth, not because he necessarily likes Mephibosheth in a sense that we say, oh, I want to do it. It's because he wants to honor a covenant that he went way back when. Come on, come on, come on. And even prophetically, the reason why God shows kindness to you is not because you're acting all holy sometimes. Come on. Sometimes God will show you covenant, I mean kindness because of the covenant that God made on the cross through Jesus Christ. And because Jesus made a covenant between God and humanity, Sometimes it doesn't matter what you are going through, the circumstances you find yourself in, the, the debt you find yourself in, or even the attitude you find in. Sometimes God will give you a prophetic word about how good your character is at church when you had an argument with your wife or your spouse coming to church. Sometimes God will bless you financially when you have not done anything to deserve it. Why? Because of covenant. 
Because when he died on the cross, he changed the game. He changed the game, and some of us, we think that we have to earn the blessing. Yes, when we live right and when we align ourselves with the word, we position ourselves to receive more, but we don't position ourselves to be loved more. God still loves us. We are positioned to receive more from God when we align ourselves with the principles of the word. But let me tell you something. This shows me that sometimes when God shows kindness to us when we don't deserve it, how does it make you respond to him? Come on, how does your heart feel when you say, I don't deserve this, and he, I, I'm not, I haven't prayed for a month, and God has radically blessed me today? The main reason God showed, uh, David showed kindness to Mephibosheth was because of the covenant he made with Jonathan. And the story of David and, and Mephibosheth is a beautiful prophetic allegory that I want to release to you this morning of how the Lord responds, oh, come on, church, to us and treats us especially when we don't deserve it. I know it's hard sometimes to believe and feel that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know it's hard to feel that sometimes. I know it's hard to see it sometimes, and I won't leave you as orphans, but you've got to realize that his covenant, watches is greater than the weakness of your humanity. That's not an excuse for you to sin, but his covenant is greater than the weakness of your humanity. Even his ability to lead you is greater than your ability to hear him. So yield and surrender because his ability to take you where he needs you to be is greater than your ability to hear him. That's good news. Because if you just position yourself just a little bit, he's powerful enough to give you what you need. Now watch this, at the time, listen, at the time that the Lord put it on David's heart to show kindness to Mephibosheth, watch this now, the Bible says that Mephibosheth at that time, think about the timing, have any of you been blessed when you don't deserve to be blessed? Have anyone, has, have you guys ever experienced the tangible blessing and the favor of the Lord, the goodness of God, when you are angry and bitter and you're unforgiving and God, instead of throwing the whip like you expect, he starts showing you kindness and melts your heart that way? Oh, come on. Am I preaching to RCC this morning? How does your heart respond when you, know, when you know you don't deserve the blessing of God and the favor of God and he does it anyways? Because he has a goal in mind. He wants your heart. And, and, and at the time that David showed kindness, kindness to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was a child and royalty lineage of a king. And he was in Lodabar. And you know what the, the word Lodabar means in the Hebrew? The word Lodabar means a pastureless land. Not, not a pastureless land. A pastureless land, which means void of any vegetation, fruitfulness, and barren in, the, in that life. Watch this. Mephibosheth, at the time that God sent for him, the king sent for him to show kindness, he was living in a barren, fruitless land. Uh, many of us in this church today and throughout the body of Christ could identify with Mephibosheth because we've been living in a fruitless season for a long time. We've been living in a barren season for a long time in our lives, and it's hard to bear fruit. It's hard to lift up your voice and lift up your hands because you feel like you're in Lodabar. You feel that, yes, I come to church, but I feel like I am barren. I feel like I'm not producing anything. I feel like I've been praying for months and, and years and weeks, and things are not changing. And Lodabar is a fruitless, barren land, and he was in this area. But to understand the impact, everybody say impact, 
of this covenant, not just the reality of this covenant, the impact of this covenant and the timing of the goodness of God because of covenant. Always remember this. The Lord, because of covenant, will desire to pursue you until he gets you. He, will, he is relentless. He will pursue you. He, he may cause some things to dry up in your life so you could turn back to him. But he will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you until he has eventually conquered your heart again. Why? Because of covenant. Not because we deserve it. And listen to this. Understand the impact of what was about to happen to Mephibosheth. You've got to see how he became crippled. And you got to examine his, his childhood. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 4. Look at this. 2 Samuel chapter 4. Come on, you guys better say amen better than what you're saying amen. Come on. Look at verse 4. And chapter 4 is 2 Samuel in the NLT. You can follow along with your Bibles or in your device. It's going to be on the screen. Now this is, now this is uh, a, 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 to understand the impact of this covenant, I need you to examine his childhood because many of you have had childhoods and even lives like this. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. Listen, watch this. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a, had a son named Mephibosheth. This is earlier now, okay? Who was crippled as a what? Child. He, Mephibosheth, was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. Could you imagine that you getting the news that your father and your grandfather are brutally killed in a tragic way, Okay? He had report about that. Now, now look at this. And Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him. And he became crippled. The King James says lame. He became crippled and he became lame. I want you to know something, that he had a perfect childhood up until this moment of his life. When he was four years old, he had all the delicacies he wanted. He had all the food he wanted, all the cake he wanted. Why? Because he was the grandson of King Saul. And when he was four and a half, everything was good. And he had a good life, even though he may have not remembered anything. Listen, and he remembers all the things that he had access to. He had no drama. He had no pain. He had no worries in his life. And then suddenly, one day, he gets a tragic news, and he was dropped by his nurse. And he was dropped. Everybody say he was dropped. And his life was almost perfect, but he was dropped. And some of us in the body of Christ could relate to Mephibosheth. You remember when things were good. Come on, somebody. You remember when you didn't have a lot of drama. You remember when you first got saved and all you did was talk about Jesus and you used to cry. You remember when all you did was read the book and uh, the, the Bible and you, and you felt the presence of God. You remember when no one was talking behind your back. And you remember when, when you had a nice reputation and you had some money and you remember when you didn't have the abuse and you didn't have all the lies and all the storms that came your way. You remember how good it was, but somewhere along the way, life dropped you. Come on, if you're honest with me, I could name almost 100% of you that somewhere in your life, you had a significant drop. 
that watch this crippled you for many years or currently you're still walking with an emotional limp. You're still walking with a spiritual limp even to this day because one day along the way you were dropped. Your finances dropped. Your business dropped. Your marriage, you got a divorce and you dropped. They lied about you. The, and, and the people, people that get a... a, 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 a um, baby out of wedlock and they misunderstood you and they lied about you, dropped. Having a ministry and losing it all, dropped. Having a business and working so hard to build that business and one storm dropped it all and left you with a permanent limp that you're walking with right now. When he was five years old, he was dropped and he was never the same again. He was constantly walking, crippled on both feet, barely making it. He's a child of the king, and he was crippled at both of his feet. And later on in life, not only was he dropped, not only was he dropped, the reality of being dropped and physically in pain, adding to the emotional pain of his father and his grandfather being dead and not having a kingdom to rule and not having a legacy anymore. Why? Because life at one point drops us. But it's what we do with those moments and how we trust God in those moments that you may not see it, but you know what? God's, God's promises are not determined by what happens to you. God's promises is not determined where you're even at in your life with God right now. God's promises that 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 uh that are in and your destiny that are in your life is not determined by even your bad attitude, even though sometimes you contribute to the delay. God's promises for you is based on his covenant. Let me tell you something. And Mephibosheth was not looking for a breakthrough. Mephibosheth was not prepared for a breakthrough. He was living in Lodabar, a pastureless, fruitless reality. Like some of us today at church, we feel like our life is meaningless. We feel like our life has been fruitless or for, the, for a lot of part because of the drop that we experience. Or let me just say this. Your fruitlessness may not be in business or may not be in ministry. It may be your lack of fire that we talked about this morning. Some of you, if you're honest with yourself, you're trekking along and you love the Lord, but you've lost that fire. And you feel like you're, you're, you're not where you used to be. But things were about to radically turn around from Mephibosheth. He was not looking for it. He was in Lodabar. And I say this prophetically to you, not to be preachy. But if you just don't quit. If you don't quit, the Spirit of God, symbolically named Zeba, is going to start knocking at your door. And saying, I want to ask for you. Because I know you don't deserve it. You're living in Lodabar right now. You're living in a fruitless uh, land. You're living in a place where you see all your friends on fire. And you used to have a ministry. Now you don't. Or you used to serve the Lord. Now you're in the world. And if you're honest with yourself, some of you are straight up living. And I, this wasn't in my notes. But you're living double lives. You have the form of godliness in church. But you're living a whole completely different life. And you know that you know that you know that that's not okay. And you're deceiving other people, but you're not deceiving the Lord. And deep down inside, you're not happy because it's impossible to taste from the Lord and go back to the world and be really happy. You may be happy with material things, but you're not fulfilled. Come on, say amen. 
those of you watching online, you may be, you may be uh, faking it to everybody else, but if you've tasted from the Lord and go back, there's no way, I don't care what you, if you truly taste it, there's no way that you can be truly satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Another word for filled is satisfied. Because once you taste it, you won't want to go back to that hot dog once you taste it filet mignon, baby. Come on, humble. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Once you taste filet mignon, you're going to convince you, well, I thought hot dogs were good. Yeah, because you never tried filet mignon. Oh, I love hot dogs. They're great. Yeah, hot dogs are great. But try some filet mignon. Try some arroz con frijole and, and some, some black beans. Come on. And, and, and steak with onions. Listen, that's why the Bible says a dog will return back to its own vomit. It got quiet up in this Presbyterian. <laughs> Listen, look, look at 2 Samuel chapter 9. Are you getting something? Watch this. This is for you. Let's continue with 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7. Look at now. Now remember, the first half that I talked about was, was uh, David said, I want to show kindness to to Mephibosheth, someone in Saul's family. Then I told you the impact of this covenant has to do with all his life. Now think about this. By the time that David called from Mephibosheth, he was already an adult. All his life, watch this, he's a child of the king. And he is living in poverty. He's living in shame. You could be a child of the king and live in poverty. You could, live, you could be a child of the king and not match what you are identified as a son and daughter of God. You could be in a position that is, that is causing conflict with your position in Christ. Now, now, now watch. Look at verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you. Why? 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 Because of my promise to your father. Glory to God. Jonathan, there's a parallel here. There's a per prophetic parallel here. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. David didn't have to do that. He was the king. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. You will eat with me, Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, the one who tried to kill me, the one who was my enemy. You will eat with me from this day forward. I can imagine all the people around the king saying, has the king lost his mind? This is the enemy of Israel. This is the enemy of the king. This is the one who's treated you bad, and you're making a, 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 a kindness. Why? Because of a covenant that I made years ago when I was running away from his grandfather. I promise his father that I will not, that I will show kindness to him and his family. My God, you're part of the bloodline. You're part of the bloodline today. You have a right to be called a son and daughter of God. I don't care what lineage you came from. Come on. I don't care if your dad or your mom didn't serve the Lord. I don't care if you came from a Satanistic family. I don't care if you came from an atheistic family. If you've been blood washed this morning. You are part of the covenant that God wants to show kindness and love to. Well, I don't care. I don't think so. I do so. It doesn't matter what you think. His covenant is greater than your wisdom. His covenant is greater than your humanity. But yes, it was, listen, it will, it will come into alignment faster when you get your life right. But let me tell you something. Either way, he will pursue you. 
You think that you're going to outrun God? You, you think you're going to outrun God? I mean, if, if you, it, it's funny because when, you try, when you've been saved and then you backslide, even, even, even um, atheists and unbelievers will start preaching the gospel to you. You'll be in a bar and say, hey, man, what are you doing here? I saw you at church. Well, you shouldn't be with us. You say, come on, leave me alone. I'm going to just backslide. I want to have a look. I want to get drunk a little bit. No, you're not supposed to be here, man. Or I've seen stories where people be high, high on weed, high on drugs. They're like, man, we need God, bro. Or you'll be trying to run away from God, and there's a sign up in I-4 that says, God loves you. Return to me. It doesn't matter where you are. You can't run from God. And that's a torturous thing. That if you're not right with God, his relentless will cause you to say, I can't get rid of God in my conscience and in my mind. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. You will eat here with me at the king's table. Are you ready for this? Look at, look, look at verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and, and exclaimed, who is your servant? Look at his identity. Look how he thinks about himself. That you should show kindness to such a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants, he said this to Ziba, are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, I am your servant. I will do whatever you have commanded. Watch this now. Here is the key. And from that Time on. Mephibosheth ate regularly at the king's table. Are you ready for this? Like one of the king's own sons. Not just that he got to eat at the king's table, but he got to eat at the king's table treated as one of the king's own sons. You know what Jesus did? Jesus could have just saved us, and that would have been good enough. He could have just saved us from our sins, and he said, you know what? I'm going to send my son, Father. I'm going to send the son, and he's going to brutally be murdered, and his blood is going to wash you from all your sins. But he took it a step further. He said, not only do I wash you, not only do I cleanse you, not only do I forgive you, not only do I give you eternal life, I want to adopt you as one of my own. You're going to be one of my sons, the ones that were far off and once cursed me. Now I'm going to cause you to eat at my table because there's a seat in heaven waiting for you in the heavenly places because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places with your name on it. Do you realize if you know who you are, you will suddenly snap out of the funk that you're in. If you know who you are, suddenly you will snap out, wait a minute, I am not just eating at the table, I'm one of the king's sons. I'm one of the king's daughters, yeah, but I don't deserve it. Needed the Mephibosheth, but he was deserving because of the covenant. You have to get rid of this, I know you don't deserve it, and I know I don't deserve it, but God desires to have the reward of his suffering, and you're his reward. Come on, you're his reward. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe that. Glory to God. Now watch this. This is going to get really good. I'm going to get close in about 10 minutes here. Lord, help me to, to, to keep that. Right? I have to because there's, because there's a, a, a worship meeting, by the way, I forgot. There's a worship meeting after church service. So right after church service, see uh, um, Cameron, Christina. Watch what Mephibosheth, you know, I, I, I preached this before, but I never saw what Mephibosheth means. You're going to shout. Now, we know Lodabar means a fruitless, barren land. But you know what Mephibosheth means? 
Mephibosheth means, I'm going to quote it to you, in the Hebrew, I saw it in the Hebrew uh, uh, um, translation. Mephibosheth means one who clears out and dispels shame and one who exterminates an idol. Look it up. One who exterminates an idol and, and dispels and clears out shame. Wait a minute. He's living in Lodabar, a fruitless and barren place, but his identity didn't match his location where he was at. His identity was the one who exterminates the idol, but his location was a fruitless. Have you ever been in a place that contradicted your identity? Come on. Oh, Jesus. Have you ever been in a place where you got born again you said, I should be more than where I am right now, but I'm in Lodabar. Have you ever been in a place where your ministry was not flourishing, yet you are born again and you're speaking in tongues? Have you been in a place where you've tithed all your life and still not got a breakthrough, but your identity is the one who exterminates the idol and the one who clears out shame? Have you ever had an identity that you clear out shame, but you're inviting shame at the same time? Have you ever been the one who your name means no shame? And you're shameful. Have you ever been in a condition that contradicted your position? In Christ, that is where the depression tries to hit you. Because you know you're more than what you are at. Because, <laughs> because you know deep down inside that you're a child of royalty and that it's not okay to be this way. But yet somehow you've convinced yourself that it's okay to live worldly. And it's okay to dabble in sin. And it's okay to be, be afraid. And it's okay to be bound by drugs and alcohol and parties. It's okay because, you know, I had a bad life. Mephibosheth could have said, you know, it's okay that. And he was probably thinking that. You know what? My, my father is dead. My grandfather is dead. Everybody in royalty is dead. I am next. I guarantee you, when he heard that knock, he's probably, and he, and he saw the, the chariots and the horses coming, he probably said, they're about to execute me because I don't deserve it. Okay, what do you want? Here it is. They found me. I'm in Lodabar. No, your name is Mephibosheth, which means you don't have any shame. And I'm going to take your identity and make it real now. I'm going to come to <laughs> I'm going to get you out of that shame. And you have been summoned to the king's palace. You are not what you say you are. You are not what you think you are. You are not what people say you are. You're not what your condition says you are. You're not what your job says you are. Oh, that sounds preachy. It's true. You are not what your financial status is. You are an identity by identity. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You could be broke and be rich at the same time. Woo, that was good. That wasn't in my notes. You could be broke financially and rich in the spirit. Why? Because what you go through does not change who you are. It does not change who you are. You're not what they say you are. You're not what your circumstances what you say you are. You're not what other people say you are. And it doesn't disqualify you from God's, watch this, original purposes in your life that he spoke maybe 20 years ago. It does not disqualify you from the purpose of God. Some of you, I feel in my spirit, you have convinced yourself that God still loves you, but your purposes are gone. You say, well, yep, 
I've come to the place in my life, I know that God loves me, but I feel I spoiled it so much. Hear me now. This is the word for you. I've, I've messed up so much. I've opened doors of, of sin and compromise so much that God's original purpose for me is through. Do you know the Bible says, before I knew you in your mother's womb, I, I, watch this, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. Wait, he didn't do anything. How about when, how about when Jesus was in, in, in getting baptized and he did not one miracle, not one miracle. And Jesus and the Father said, behold, this is my son who I am well pleased. We are programmed to think, well, what did he do to get well pleased? Nothing, he's just my son. And just because he's my son, he doesn't have to do a thing to earn his identity of how much I care for him. Just as it was with Mephibosheth, so it can be with you. Because you may be limping emotionally right now. And you may be limping spiritually right now. And you may be limping financially right now. But there is a table in heaven and a chair that's empty with your name on it. Can I hear an amen? amen. And, 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 and I'm going to close here. Now watch this. Woo, this is so good. My God. Day, part of, of David's covenant to bring restoration. Here's the key. Restoration. Everybody say restoration. Make no doubt about it. David's covenant with Mephibosheth was about restoring what he lost. Hear me. Part of this covenant included restoring everything that belonged to Saul which at this point nobody claimed. And David willingly gave all the property and all the things that belonged to wicked King Saul to Mephibosheth because of a covenant. Some of you need to lock in on this and realize that you can't live without Jesus any longer. You can't live without you going all out any longer because God's purposes for you, can I just be honest with you, if you don't do it, it'll drive you more crazy than whatever you're doing in the world. You, you're, the, the, the Bible says the gifts and the purposes of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. That's a whole other sermon, but I don't want to get into. This speaks to the promises of God. David, and I'm going to close with David, you know why he was so passionate with this guy? Because he could remember and he could recollect one day that same thing. The reason why, he, I believe, he also had a table right there uh, for, at, at, for Mephibosheth and a seat, not only because of covenant, because he remembers one day when he was recollecting and, and, his, and he was in the sheepfold and he was running away from Saul and he started writing these words because he knew what it meant to have have a table in the presence of his enemies. My, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. You can put, uh, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on, come on, you, you read it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name, name's sake, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He knows what it's like to run away from God. 
And God still puts him a table in the presence of his enemies. And now Mephibosheth role is flipped. Now he's coming. Now could you imagine? I want you guys to come up here. Come on. Come on. We're going to close here. Could you imagine with me? I want you guys. Come on. I want you guys. Enrique, I want you guys to come up here. Come here, my bro. Come here, Frank. All right. Uh, come here, Rosie. Actually, wait, wait. You need to have one empty chair. chair. So one of you guys, wait. One, one, two, three, four, five. Sorry, bro. You didn't make it. <laughs> You're still invited, but just not today. <laughs> You're always invited. You know that, right? <laughs> Could you imagine if you will with me as all these dignitaries are at the table? And the dinner is not starting. And they're all wondering, come on, king, I'm hungry. And you have, you have the queen and all her prestige at the table. You have the queen, right? And you, and you got Joab, the, the commander of the army of Israel. And he is sitting there, and he's waiting, come on, man, I just killed 20,000 men. Where's that chicken and cornbread? Come on, come on, king. Pass that gravy. Where's the mashed potatoes? And then, and then you got, and you got uh, well, I have to look at one of you. Absalom, the choice son of the king. <laughs> Where the Bible says, the Bible literally says that there was no blemish from him from the head to toe. Read the Bible. And pop that bubble right there in the name of Jesus, right? The Bible says he was so royal that once a year he would cut his hair and people would buy the locks of his hair. Imagine all these di <laughs> See, that's why he don't have any, because he cut it off. <laughs> and, you, and you have the other dignitary here. And you've you got, you got all these dignitaries at the table. And they're all saying, uh, King uh, David, why don't you hurry up and start the meal? And David says, there's still a son left that has to come to the table before we start. There's not, we can't start until this. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I, I, I'm hungry. There's, there's, a, there's a queen saying I'm hungry. Joab is telling me I'm hungry. Absalom is saying, hey, come on, hurry up, hurry up. And then all of a sudden while they're discussing it, I, I can imagine, I can imagine while they're discussing it, I don't know if this door is open. Okay, it is. They're all discussing it, and all of a sudden they're waiting, and then... Here comes Mephibosheth, and he's limping towards the table. And he's probably dealing with shame, but he's limping towards the table, and he's saying, King, I'm crippled, but I'm coming. I'm hurting, but I'm coming. I know there's a table for me because you made a covenant with my dad, so I'm not afraid. So I'm going to come with all these people who view me as an enemy because you said that you won't harm me. And let me tell you something. You guys are Mephibosheth right now in this room. You're saying, King, I'm crippled, but I'm coming. My marriage, God dropped me, and I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been ruined in ministry. My name has been talked about, but I'm coming. Come on. I'm, I'm limping, but I'm coming. I'm hurting, but I'm coming. I've been abused, but I'm coming. I've been betrayed and lied about, but I'm coming. I've been here. Here, and all of a sudden you get to the table and he set, come on, a table before you in the presence of your enemies because you are a son and you are a daughter. And no matter what you're going through, God has a seat prepared for you at the table in the midst of people that said you weren't going to be there.
And I can imagine that Joab is saying, what is this fool doing here? And David said, he's part of us now. And get this, from this day forward for the rest of his life, he's eating at this table forever. Guys, it's time for you to realize that no matter what you've done, does not disqualify you from a place at the table with God because God desires to restore what you have lost. He desires to heal you. He desires to set you free. Just keep walking. If you're limping, just keep walking. If you're drowning, just keep walking. Just keep walking. And God is going to do something powerful in your life. Can I hear an amen? Come on, slip. lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on. I want everyone to stand up to the Lord right now. Come on. Hallelujah. You have a seat at the king's table. It doesn't matter. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but there's some of you that you have felt disqualified from the call of God in your life. Some of you have felt disqualified because, listen, you've been dropped, and you're limping right now. You're limping right now. You're limping right now. I'm sure Eddie and his family, they've gone through some limping. They've gone through some trial. They've gone through some hurt. I know that, that some of you, you've been limping for at least two or three years. You used to serve in ministry. I hear this from the Lord. You used to serve in ministry, and you're no longer serving in ministry. Listen, listen, listen. You are tainted by the disgust of what you have experienced by, by churches, and they've hurt you. And leadership has hurt you. And you vowed to your spouse, and you vowed to yourself, I will never serve in church again. I hear that in my spirit. I will never serve in a ministry again I'm going to let God have it I'm never going to do it again because he treated me this way my friends there's still a chair that's empty with your name on it the purposes of God have not changed just because of your circumstances your purposes have not changed just because you have a bad attitude your watches your purposes haven't changed because you may be here and you may be a visitor or whatever and you haven't walked with god in 10 years the purpose could start right now it could start right now church the pro the power of this covenant has to do mainly with kindness watches and restoration do you realize when Mephibosheth came and sat with Joab and Absalom and the queen, that he was mingled in with the people that killed his grandfather. But God restored everything his grandfather lost because of a covenant. Oh God, I feel God today. I said, I feel God today. I don't care how long you've been without the call of God in your life. It's time to return. Because his promises are still yes and amen. If you have that preaching gift and you laid it down, he's still calling you to preach. If you have that singing gift and you laid it down, he's still calling you to sing. If you have that administrative gift and you laid it down, he's still calling you to, get, to, to, to pick it back up. If you had a lot of money to fund the kingdom and it was all off, God still wants to use you that way. His seat is still having your name on it. Come on, I want you to head, I want you, whatever you feel led. You, you know what? I don't know what you have, but surely goodness and that one song that you did is running after me, but whatever you feel. I want you, to, I want you to lift up your hands right now. I want you to lift up your hands right now all over this place. God wants to restore, listen, your passion with God. Oh, Pastor George, you don't understand. They hurt me. Yes, they did. They did hurt you. I validate that. I validate that. You need to hear that I validate that. Mephibosheth said they hurt me. I'm in Lodabar. Yes, you're in Lodabar. But your identity means 
that you clear away shame. Let me tell you, your condition doesn't hinder your position. I'm going to say that again. Your condition where you at in life right now does not change who you are. It's time to say, I'm going to go back and I'm going to receive the purposes of God again in my life. I'm going to walk with God again. I'm going to say yes to his call. I'm going to say yes to that thing that hurt me. And I'm going to go back because God's plan never changed. There's still an empty chair waiting for you to fill it. Come on, church. I said, come on, church. Watch this. It's restoration time. I said, it's rest. say that. Say that. It's restoration time. Say, it's restoration time. Say, everything that's been lost. I'm still a son. I'm still a daughter. And I stay standing and believing that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, church. Lift up your hands.